What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Worlds Collide, the wrestling art podcast for wrestling fans by wrestling fans. Featuring Tony Bella from WrestlingTrainingCards.com. This is like a, a stock market. Like- and Zan Morning from Wrestling With Cards on YouTube. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer. I'm just posing the question. Join them as they navigate the world of wrestling cards, helping you build a bigger, better collection, and making some money along the way. What's up, wrestling fans? Back again. Worlds Collide another week trying to keep these episodes. You know, I think we're going on... We may be going on like a year since we've actually missed a week where we didn't put it on episode. Really? I think for both of us, that's a pretty good big accomplishment. Yeah, this is, this is the <laughs> this is the most consistent thing in my life besides my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's that say about us? I don't know. Moving on. <laughs> trying to just trying to continue to pump out the content. Uh, you know, we might sound like a broken record saying this all the time, but growing the pie trying to get more collectors, trying to get more information out there for you to just take what you like, take what you don't like, and run with it the way that you do the hobby. Speaking of that, today's topic, collecting strictly for profit, people buying only to make money. I know this has happened in wrestling more recently, but let's take it back. Is this something that's been going on since the Fleer era when you were really heavy into this? Because I wasn't collecting, I would buy packs or boxes here and there, but I wasn't so into it then. Well, back then we still had eBay. It was still kind Mm -hmm. of early. People uh, who don't know the history of eBay, really, I mean, you should. It's called Google. Use it. Um, It started in 95. Uh, I've been on that that site since late 97. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, we had eBay. People were flipping, you know, selling things like that. I don't know if it was a sense of like flipping how we see it today. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I was buying cases of wrestling cards back then and I would take all my extras and sell them somehow. Uh, some of it went on eBay a little bit and some of it, I actually had a spot at a collectible show called Frankenstein back then. And uh, I, you know, just take all my extras and sell them there, but I was a master set collector. So I would open up and I would go and try to sell off things, obviously, to go and get the cards I needed like that to finish my master set. Um, but I, I, you didn't really hear that kind of a buzz back then in the wrestling card community. You didn't hear that buzz of like people just buying strictly to make money. People who were buying wrestling were actual collectors um, and then just trying to offshoot their extras somehow. You know, yeah. I bought a lot of collections back in the day. I used to buy people would buy boxes of Absolute Diva buy boxes of Royal Rumble, but, and, you know, uh, championship clash, whatever it was. And then they would just, they get what they wanted out of it. And they say, Hey, Tony, I have all this 5,000 count box of all these singles. You would, you want to buy, just give me like, you know, whatever. It's like, then we make a deal. That was it. And they were done. They weren't looking to flip and to, for making profit. They're looking to flip to kind of just say, I have extras and I got a little bit of money back and I get to keep my collection. Right. Today it's a whole different market. Yeah. So let's kick it off. I think the question begs to, ask is like like who are the people that are doing this are these the wrestling collectors that are strictly coming in here and just saying hey i like wrestling but i'm not attached to anything are they the people that 
we saw with Prism because there's no doubt about it that that's the type of people that were strictly coming into Prism when it first came out. Because if you go watch those breaks, that they can't pronounce the names. They don't know who's who. They're freaking out about a silver Prism, which essentially is like a two or three dollar card. So what do you like? Who do you think has actually kind of kickstarted wrestling as being strictly for profit? I think you hit it right there. I think Prism opened that door. I think Prism really opened the eyes. It did two things. Prism put that big spotlight we've all been desiring and all we've all asked for for so many years to Mm -hmm. be recognized, acknowledge me, uh, all of that. It it happened. And at the same time, when you have that many new eyeballs coming in and you have those guys, the Prism boys who are familiar with that product and uh, knowing they, they flip and they're out two weeks later. You know, and that's kind of what they did. Uh, I think it took a lot of wrestling card collectors by surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, it, there were podcasts here and there. I don't know who they were saying, kind of saying, oh, hey, you know, maybe not. You know, we're interviewing people who are saying, like, this is the biggest thing ever. Da, da, da. And, and it was. It was the biggest thing ever for us in the right way and the wrong way. Uh, yep. But either Still, way, to this day, we're, we're the, seeing the, both. And we're still talking about it. So yeah. I, I think that the Prism release for our hobby uh, is a mark in history for uh, if you want to look at it like if you want to write a history book about wrestling cards. Uh, you know, that's going to play a, a, a very big point going forward 15, 20, 30 years down the road from it now. It was like because- the first episode of Monday Night Raw. It, it was a huge deal, but it also kind of sucked at the same time. But exactly. it laid the groundwork for what it, was down the road. It laid the groundwork. You know, we, we were warned for a lot of things in our hobby about prison, about this, about parallels, about that. Da, da, da. Uh, set collectors are done. Might as well get out of the business. Da, da, da. You know, all these negative things being said about it's like that. And yet people found ways to adapt. We all kind of, uh, you know, these big uh, this big storm came through. It passed. We see the wreckage. We're rebuilding. We're having a good time now doing our stuff. Um, I think that's the first point that people really got to see flipping and people who are doing strictly for profit in our business, in, in our in our hobby. Mm-hmm. It's been there. It's been there before. But I mean, I interviewed the guys from uh, Still City Collectibles over a, y- a year and a half ago, and they were like, yeah, we don't we just don't break a lot of wrestling. It's not, a, it's, not it's not it's not a high end dollar. So like, we're not going to be really breaking, you know, uh, um uh transcendent uh but you know they weren't even going to break we said we might once in a while maybe you might break a, like an undisputed you know but even that's a cheap product compared to what they're used to breaking kind of right. thing um so it just wasn't in their uh their wheelhouse to go a, a, and and break wrestling and flip and flip and flip uh because there wasn't a lot of money made. it's like it fits exactly what i always say about wrestling not enough zeros and so why bother prism comes out that all changed that all so, changed now it became a common thing now so let's talk about opening boxes um you know breaking is a huge thing uh wrestling fans have now started to understand breaking which i never mm-hmm. thought you know i thought they were going to be basement dwellers their whole life no 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 wrestling no, fans have they're 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 understanding digital now they're understanding whatnot they know how these things work yeah. and i think kind of the old way of thinking for some people was I'm going to rip a case and I'm going to flip what I rip and I'm going to make money, but that doesn't really happen that way anymore. So then it kind of begs the question, why are people opening boxes? And I think, you know, is it entertainment? 
Is it strictly, you know, because me and you actually talked offline this week, just uh, through a couple messages about breaking and how much money can be made out of breaking from the breaker's perspective. So why do you think people are still opening boxes if we've almost seen that or or I I guess you can flip boxes still, but even that has kind of died down from what it did. And during like 2020, where you could double your money on a sealed box, like it was no, you know, real quick, but I mean, I, I, you know, I jumped in as of, as of this recording, uh, about a week or so ago, I jumped into my first ever what, uh, whatnot. And, um, uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it was great. First off, uh, overall experience, great, very easy to use. Definitely is eBay on crack. Um, it, it's, it's, it can be addicting. And so I think that you're kind of getting that impulse thing right away to try to, I, I don't, how dare you, you know, quick and, and then you, you got to pay immediately, which is awesome. I love that feature. Yep. Um, it, it's, there, there's still some fun in that. Uh, I think people become more creative in how they break things now where they can have like, you know, picking letters. There, there, people in the wrestling are finally learning and taking uh, uh, lessons that they're learning from watching sports breakers. Mm-hmm. And so like, oh, well, I can pick teams. Well, we don't have teams, but I can pick brands and I can pick, I can do things by first letter. You know, I can, I, okay, you bought the B's. You know, well, Becky Lynch and da 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 and Bianca Belair. Those are big names. So I can charge a little more for B's, but you know, yeah. D, oh, Baxter Loomis, I can charge less for that. <laughs> uh, you know, R's, oh, Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, you know, that, that's going to be big money. Yeah. So, I mean, I think people become smarter about that. And I think that um, within the wrestling card community, we're seeing more wrestling collectors selling to wrestling collectors. Yes. So we're not seeing uh, as many that prison stuff has kind of come and gone. And hopefully wrestling card collectors have learned their lesson from that. So when the next prison set comes out, they go, no, fool me once. Uh, But now we have wrestling collectors selling to wrestling collectors which I think is a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, from the, from the majority of people that I've dealt with most, most of the time they are understanding from, I'm talking like off of eBay, like if I'm doing a trade or if I'm doing just strictly buying from somebody through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or something, most people have been either like very understanding of prices or I know they've got something so rare. I've just got to pay the piper and whatever mm-hmm. that, you know, it, that's not like they're trying to, do the prism thing to me. It's just like, Hey, they understand the value, but they're also going to try to not, you know, run me over the coals for it, so to speak, just to get it. So I've had I, a- I'm, I am still seeing some people, uh, posting things and also reacting to events that are happening. So, um, our, our market has changed and adapted to those kind of sports mentality too, mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, Vince is gone. Triple H and Stephanie are now running. So now they're people are like trying to hike up those prices, new regimes, right. like that. We have, you know, uh, cross coming back. Loomis comes back cards that were, you know, five, 10 bucks a piece now are 20, 25 bucks a yep. piece now. So like that, you know, uh, so you know, people are starting to react that way and there's still it's exciting, I think, but it is. And, and you know, there's also a little bit of, I think some of those guys still sitting on some of the product that they probably lost their ass on and now are still trying like, well, nope, I'm going to hold firm on my very outrageous price because I'm going to try, I got to make my money back. Whole topic for a no whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just like, you know, sometimes you got to flip that inventory at a loss to go yeah. turn that into something, pro, uh, you know, more positive and profitable. hundred um, percent. And uh, it's just, 
you know, but I think I see that's less and less. Uh, I think our, our hobby right now, when it comes to the flippers is in a much better place. I think we actually had to go through that storm of prism to come out the other end, a better hobby, a better collector base, because we've, we learned our lessons. We all bitched and complained one way or another and watched the divides. And, uh, and we came out of it, uh, you know, relatively unscathed and I think a lot smarter, hopefully. Well, and we've also seen record selling prices like we've never seen before. Like that was a, that was a result. Yes. Yes. And, and this even trickles back to tops products now. You know, yeah. you could see those selling for even more than they ever have. And a year ago, we were like, oh, you know, a thousand dollar card. That's a big deal. And now yeah. it's like, you know, 15. OK, yeah. Next. Yeah. I mean, everything from from seal wax, you know, old stuff has gone, you know, kind of been affected by that. Even the stuff like I never would have thought that my 2006 and 2007 tops chrome stuff would have been you yeah. know, gone up in value. I mean, even from the base set level cards went up in value. Things that I couldn't get rid of for a quarter, you mm-hmm. know, are probably now at least, you know, a buck, two bucks, three bucks, four bucks, you know, on average with, you know, obviously key names going for more, but, you sure. know, just regular Chrome and then your low level refractors, then your X fractors. I mean, it's, those things are going for good money now. So I've got three points that I kind of want to touch on. One of them, two of them we had in our notes, one of them we didn't. And that's the one I'm going to talk about right now. Uh, you know, we we talk about flipping and making money and who's actually buying wrestling cards to just make money on and not actually collect. Do you feel like me and you or the Card Foundation or Brett McGrath or anybody that's got a platform talking about wrestling cards, when we talk about markets and we talk about buying and selling and how we do things, do you think we're actually, we actually have any kind of negative aspect as like, because I feel sometimes like I talk so much about creating a self-funded hobby meaning i can buy my own pc cards by the ones that i sell that i don't care about Mm -hmm. and sure you can pay bills if you need to do that as well but like i set out to not necessarily make a full-time job of it i set out to like make that full-time job money to just pay for cards Mm -hmm. that was the whole goal when i started but i think maybe sometimes people hear my content and they're like, this guy's a flipper. All he cares about is money. And little do they know they haven't seen my cross cards or something like that. So do you think it's our responsibility to clear that up? Or do you think maybe people take us the wrong way? What do you think? I think they have to continue to keep doing more homework and probably not listen to just bits and pieces, but listen to the whole story. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times uh, maybe they only caught certain things. It's like anything else. You can just make a, a statement and quote something and someone will take the one word out of that sentence and use that as like, well, you said this, but you didn't take it. It's, it's, that's the whole point of taking things out of context. Mm-hmm. It's just, you didn't listen to the whole story. Listen to my whole story first. They don't know. I, I don't even know as much as you and I talk. I don't know all this shit that you go through every day. You don't know all the stuff that I go through every day and how I'm building my collection, how I do my thing. Uh, people out there are, you know, they're always, they're still going to buy. People are still going to buy and people are still going to sell. It's always going to happen. That's not what this is about. Right. Um, they're, they're just going to, uh, they'll continue to keep buying uh, in the way they want to, whatever's going to make them happy. So um, you, you should do your homework. Listen to the whole story that people are telling you. I think that we're doing a good service by letting people know that's what the whole, but we wouldn't be doing this because we want to start spreading bad news and bad information like that. Uh, we're out there trying to help educate people to be smarter better collectors not just from a profit standpoint but just from collecting and having fun standpoint of uh, educating people that are different ways to collect like i 
have mentioned this many times before on many podcasts with you. You know, I never was a player collector. I became a player collector because I just I changed because I knew that it wasn't what I wanted to do before. I didn't want to get into that before. I knew what it cost. I can't afford to do that anymore. I can afford to do this, and I'm having just as much, if not more, fun now doing that. I still flip things when I can. I don't sell as much anywhere near what you guys sell, but when I can, I'll try to sell things to, you know, kind of fund, you know, my, my, my personal collection. And if I make a couple of dollars on the side on top of that, great. I'll just put it right back in the, in the hobby anyway. So right. um, there's not, there's no wrong way here. It's like that. You, you said, you know, doing your homework. And I think this is something interesting that I've kind of stumbled onto when I start talking to friends, family members, people that are, adjacent to the hobby outside the hobby maybe they collected when they were a kid or something like that and you start showing okay well, this is a hogan pmg this is the 82 all-stars andre this is what this means you know the, it seems like the common question is what is this worth of not, course not tell me what the like well this is interesting tell me more you know it's and so i guess my question to you is what do you think it's going to take for us to kind of make that switch because as we've seen like some of the people who've actually made the most money are the people who like the cards for what they are and end up just holding on to their collection until they need to get rid of it so we're what do we need to do within wrestling cards to continue to shift that to you know these are cool because they're cool not because hey this is worth this and that being the primary driver that's never going to change i don't think nothing you can't do anything about that i mean the two things that I always get when someone looks at a wrestling card for me is like, Oh, I remember that guy. And the other I one get is, that a lot, yeah. Oh, Oh, what's that worth? Those right. are the two things all the time. So it just comes with the territory, man. It really, it doesn't, it's not going to change. Um, you know, as our hobby will grow, maybe we'll have less and less people ask those kind of questions, but even within the hobby itself, people, you know, on, on social media all the time will post, Hey, what's my card worth? You know, because kind of, that's what they want to know. And I was like, yeah. I have this. What's, you know, you don't even know what your own card is worth. Or well, take the pull, time to I, not be lazy and figure it out yourself uh, with eBay. Yeah. I mean, we live in a world now where it's at your fingertips that you can go and find things. You know, yeah. I understand it's brand new. It's like it's a number to 25 or number to 10 thing. This came out. Nobody else has it listed yet. But you can still kind of go out there and maybe do a little bit of homework. Like, hey, you know, I did a there's no comps. But, uh, you know, I saw that, that the you know 2020 version sold for this kind of thing. You know, what do you think? Is that still comparable? I mean, I, I can see doing that. At least you did a little bit of legwork. Sure. But when you just come flat out saying, here's my card. What's it worth? Yeah. It's worth you checking it out. That's what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, doing some homework. You know, you, yeah. you, you said it, doing the homework. Uh, I, I guess, and I'm not trying to be like some elitist collector, because clearly I flip and sell things all the time. But I guess when it comes to cards, like I find cards I haven't even talked about yet that are, some are wrestling and some are not wrestling at all. And I I find a connection and I'm like, I've got to have that card because I don't care if it's a $5 card or a $500 card. Like there's a connection there. I want that. I, I want that because I can relate to it for this, this, or this. And if that means I have that in my collection for a year or I have it in my collection for like 20 years, like it doesn't matter there's a connection there and that connection is more important to me than the dollar amount that is associated behind that. So when I say that, you know, what, how do we get that to change? I'm not saying that because I'm better than you. I'm this elite collector, you know, collectors over. No, it takes everybody. It takes flippers. It takes dealers. It takes 
you know, people who don't ever want to sell anything. But not everybody's the all, same. Not everybody's right. the same mindset that you are, uh, or I am, or whoever else they want to compare it to. So yeah, everybody's unique and different. Everybody collects their own certain way. Well, and it takes um, them all too to keep this take, thing it takes going. All of them, exactly. But, I mean, if if everybody was going to be as well versed as you are in what you do, so like that, then everybody would be doing it. Sure. Uh, but that's not the case. If everybody was, you know, as as you know, well versed and uh, and works as hard as Gary Vee, we'd all be great, you know, multimillionaire <laughs> uh, entrepreneurs. You know, this is true. Um, uh, so it's just it, it's it, like you said, it takes every one of these type of people to kind of make the hobby uh, go through. You got to navigate through some choppy waters sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's very smooth sailing. Uh, it's just it's just a stupid saying. It is, it is what it is. Uh, there's some people who are not going to change their mind. What all you can do is show your excitement and your love for what you yeah. uh, are are into, and maybe that inspires someone to go like, "Dude, Zan is so into this particular card." It's like that, like, you know, maybe I don't like that particular card, but I do like this other genre of other things over here. Do they have cards for this? Exactly. I, don't think, I love Stranger Things. Do they make cards for that? As a matter of fact, they do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and I've actually gotten some messages with that. Like, I see your pat, you know, your passion, your your collection of cross stuff is so cool. I've actually started doing that in this realm or over yep. here with this player or this set. And I'm like, the whole point of us doing this content has paid off for that one person. Yeah, yeah. I it, mean, it, even even at home, my wife does not collect cards. She didn't even, and then she met me. You know, we get married. We get, I get you. I got involved in that top slam app. Mm -hmm. She jumps on it too, just to go and have fun to show support and got addicted to it, just like I yep. did. And that's gone. Uh, but now she's she's collecting WNBA cards because cool. she's a fan of WNBA. Never collected cards in her life before like that. But because of what I do with the wrestling stuff and then through wrestling connections, somebody sent me uh, Mike the Cleaner, I think it was. He sent me uh, uh, Anthony. He sent mm -hmm. me um, um, uh, a little care package of Phoenix Mercury WNBA cards like that. Perfect. And I go, I showed it to my wife. She goes, these are cool. Now I would collect these. And now she's out like, hey, um, this person said they have uh, all complete sets from 97 to 2003. They're offered. Uh, she's going through this whole like checking comps, you know, like asking questions. And she's into it, which is that, so that cool. That care package that he sent just set it off. That's amazing. It set, it set it off. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, and, and I have him to thank for having less money in my wallet. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to the last point. And I think this is a little bit more of a tricky one. And this is one where I, I can't judge any anybody on this and that is what's your pc versus what is technically inventory i know people that kind of take the approach to cards like you take your approach to the checklist you know or your your checklist is you know the site is your collection mm -hmm. your collection of information and then i see people that whether they're dealers whether they're store owners or whether they're just people that do ebay or you know transact a lot even off of ebay their inventory they look at as their collection so they look at stuff that, you know, hey, I might have this, um, you know, this card come through that's really rare. And, hey, I got to own it for a minute. Now it's time to go to someone else so I can make some money yep. and share that with someone else. But then you have the people who, you know, strictly look at, well, this is PC. This is not sellable. I'm always in the camp that, you know, everything's got a price. Yep. And I think you can find a really good balance with that because you are able to kind of take the emotion out of a lot of it to let it go to then buy the other stuff. And I've already said it. If any of you guys are listening, 
if you want some like rare rock stuff or some vintage stuff, like come and ask me because there's going to be a point where I'm going to start selling off a lot of that stuff to be prepared to pay for all of the cross one of one golds, all that kind of stuff when he starts coming out in the Panini yeah. release. So what's your take on that balance between the two? It's hard for some people. Um, it was a learning. Uh, um, it, it was time consuming for me to learn um, how to kind of balance that. I've kind of I've gotten to the point now where that's part of the, uh, the thing of being a player collector, too, because now I'm focused on something specific. Mm-hmm. Everything else now becomes a secondary thing to me. Yep. So if it's not the utmost important thing to me, then the secondary thing to me that can go first. I mean, I sort of prioritize things mentally like, you know, this like I'm definitely this what I'm, I'm collecting. I'm keeping at, at sec, you know, primary, secondary, then third, then fourth. And if, if I had if I had to rank things like that, I could right. almost everything would fall below. And it's below my primary is pretty much all on the table for me. It's like that I to, to get rid of. Um, I had to learn that a while ago, so it was a time-consuming thing for me to try to get used to that. Um, not worrying about FOMO uh that kind of stuff and like well i gotta have it all i gotta keep everything i'm gonna i'm gonna hoard it all kind of thing uh i've gotten better at it um some people just like you said there i i know some dealers that i used to work uh with back in the day for uh you know and non-sport cards that treated stuff like that like well i buy everything because i i buy direct from inkworks and rittenhouse and blah 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 and all these different places like that and they had cases and cases and cases like that they would flip stuff they, they, they were just kind of like well yeah oh i i had the one of ones i had them all they came through my warehouse and i owned them i had them looked at it they were so cool and boom sold them to somebody else none of it means anything to them at the end of the day like they don't collect anything i guess i don't know did, did um, they look at the, like, did they actually appreciate the cards? Cause I know there is also a segment yes. out there that doesn't know anything about the cards and they do it from just a monetary Correct. perspective. Yeah. But. This guy, I, I, his name was Julio and uh, uh, had a, a business called Julio's collectibles. And he was one of the largest non-sport uh, dealers in the country. I mean, there was hardly anybody out there who uh, specialized specifically in non-sport. And uh, I'd help him out on, on weekends sometimes before I got my booth there at Frank's uh, in the mid to uh, some little yeah, mid nineties I did. And then, um, uh, but he did that. He would break open. So I go, this is really beautiful looking product, really well-designed kind of stuff like that. And just, just still sell it. He just still sell it. But he, he would comment on things like, you know, Oh, this was such a horrible looking card. So I don't like these borders and da da da. Or, you know, I like this, the, you know, he always had a comment about the different cards he appreciated it for what it was. It reminds but, me of like a a music critic or a food critic. Like sure. They 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 go through and they look and they review and they critique. It doesn't mean that they don't know what they're talking about and they're not a true fan of whatever yeah. their genre is. It just means that they're doing yeah, he, things a different he, way. He knew all that stuff. Like uh, when Spider-Man movie first came out, uh, that set a big wildfire on Marvel products. Marvel stuff was going like crazy after that first yeah. Spider-Man movie came out uh, with that. 2002 or something like that mm-hmm. it was um and he uh uh we, we had a lot of people coming in they see all like hey do you have any spider-man do you have marvel i'm looking for marvel masterpieces i'm looking for da 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 i'm looking for you know all the amazing spider-man da, 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 all these different things and it's like oh they have they have uh you know twilight zone cards who makes those oh rittenhouse oh they have outer limits oh there's xena beauty and bronze the new one what sell this i mean Olivia studies in sensuality. Who's that? Comic images. I mean, all these different types of cards like that. Yeah. And everything, like, even if it was artwork kind of cards, like they would have, you know, Olivia, uh, uh, Jenna Genesco, 
Jennifer Janesco, it's like that. The different ones that art, um, uh, comic images had connections. They did a lot of art stuff, you know, uh, Eastman and the different guys. And he like, ah, eh, I'm not a big fan of that guy's artworks like that. They're cool cards like that. Or you'd see like a Janesco card, like, oh, she's really talented. I love these kind of designs. And these, I mean, he was always appreciative of everything that ever came through his hands, even though he didn't collect any of it. Makes sense. Uh, so there's at least that aspect of it. And then mm -hmm. you have other guys who just they just buy to sell, buy to sell. And I was that guy when I was getting into it with him in the late 90s, early 2000s. I would buy a case and I had guys who would come to Julio's booth to come visit and see me. And they would call me their non-sport card broker. <laughs> like, hey, what's what's the hot thing to get now? And I said, well, you know, after years of doing this stuff like that, I, I pretty much you stay away from from movie products and you just kind of go with TV products. That's what's hot because outside of Star Wars, nothing really movie wise sticks as far as collectability. And then Lord yeah. of the Rings came out with all their autographs and da da da. And then because at the time it was like Buffy was popular, Angel was popular, Roswell was popular, you know. And then Inkworks got involved with all the autograph cards, and that's a whole different story. But um, it's it's just. It's, there's different strokes for different folks and stuff like that. I, I really appreciate a, a, someone who flips that still appreciates the product before they flip it. Um, but I also understand those who just want to earn it for pure money. I also think we live in a time now, too, where products are so priced high now, it's harder and harder to kind of make that money back. Yeah, that's true. I mean, One thing uh, we we're paying higher prices for less product. <laughs> You know, it used to be 36 packs a box and 24 packs a box and 18 packs a box. Yeah. And now you're getting like, you know, you get 10, 11 cards in a pack. Now you're getting eight cards, then five cards. Sometimes it's one card in the whole box. I mean, it's yep. it. I mean, it's hard. We also didn't mention the crowd that, that I think wrestling card collectors kind of fall more into this. And that's the just buy and hold everything. And, yep. you know, the, like, I don't like that approach because I feel like a lot of times people, you know, that cases and cases and trades and this and that next thing they know they're on the episode of hoarders because they can't walk through their house because they have so many cards but, but where do you draw the line on that though because someone can accuse you and me as being hoarders like oh just send me all your all my cross oh, cards I, i'll take them all i will gladly trade my duplicates for other cross cards yeah like that i don't have but what i'm talking about is like you know having 75 copies of a base card of some random greg valentine sure. you know and just sets after sets and just and then like unorganized and just buying ripping putting them in a box and put yeah yeah and and what i see that, that, that that's fine if that's what people want to do but i think the real detriment here is two things people could be sitting on piles of cash in boxes that they they just they're not putting forth the effort to even try it's what you said doing the homework yeah. to try to figure out what you have. Number one. Number two, I see so many people out there. I want that rock autograph. I want that Vince autograph. I want the WCW autograph. Okay. Sell the stuff you've got because I guarantee you you've got equity in what you've collected over the years to sell, to get what you want now. But That's I like that stuff. I don't want to move it. I like to keep it. <laughs> then, then keep it and then figure out how to get it. But I think yeah. people like you got to take the emotion out of like, it's what you said. What do you prioritize? You know, yep. pick the thing you're not going to. So for me, like my 82 all-stars, 82, 83 all-star sign, Hogan PMG. That's like two kind of untouchable things yeah. unless you're going to offer me life-changing money. Yeah. Next up would be like the cross stuff. What's left after that? Eh, I don't know. I could probably part with a, like these things are cool, but I could probably part with a lot of it. That, and I'm not saying people have to approach it that way, but when I see people complain about what they can't get, 
I'm just like, you have such a massive collection. Surely you could part with something to then pay for that. And it just, you don't have to dip into your savings. You don't have to like go work harder at your job. It's just take some stuff you have and move it to something else. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot of times yep. too, about just flipping stuff like that and, uh, you know, putting in the work to do that. If you want to you know, just uh, take your stuff that you're not as attached to and move it to something that would be more that you are attached to then, I guess. Yep. Simple as that. Uh, is there anything else that you want to get out there as far as like collectors buying strictly for profit or anything like that, that we haven't touched on? I think we kind of ran it's, the gamut. It's going to be a, an interesting uh, months ahead, years ahead with the fanatics deal yes. and um, how that's going to affect everything from breakers who, who relies uh, on just flipping and, to and even, getting product in. Yeah. yeah. And then getting, but getting that product. And then if they can get that product, can they still flip it at some kind of a profit as mm -hmm. well? Um, it's already a very uh, small profit margin. You're already working on it as it is, I think. Yep. Um, unless of course you hit that one monster cards like that and still offer it, you know? Um, but um, you know, then you're even down to the store owners. Like we don't even know what's going to happen with store owners yep. shops. I mean um, it's a wild, crazy world like uh, that we live in when it comes to this hobby. Like I, I would, I never would have thought this in a million years. If you asked me 10 years ago, five years ago. So I would have got asked me 25, 30 years ago when I started collecting. <laughs> I mean, I've been like, you know, internet, what are you talking about? <laughs> and you know, um, maybe that's another reason why so many people are going for profit over passion when it comes to the hobbies, because there's just so much money to be made that they're just like, oh, I don't need these pieces of cardboard. Give me the money. Which is fine. I mean, yeah. if you're going to go out there, I mean, uh, and sell, then there's still a, a good equal number of people. And that market is growing, as we know, yep. that still want to buy it and they want to hold on to it. Because sure. if there's one thing about wrestling cards over anybody else, these card collectors from the wrestling card community uh, like to sit on their stuff. Once it's in somebody's hands for some specific cards, it's going to be very hard to get it out of their hands. 100%. So it's just that nostalgia aspect of unlike any other hobby that people sort of connect with and hold on to so i see i get it yeah there's there's so many different sides we can take and i don't think really kind of the way that we've broken this down i don't think there's any right or wrong way it's just different ways of thinking and looking at things which once again whole reason we started doing this content is to just give you different ways to think different ways to approach and different ways to just have fun because that's what it's all about because wrestling cards rule that's right we got to fit that <laughs> in every single episode that is our new shtick high-class entertainment here. Tony, let everybody know where they can find you. WrestlingTradingCards.com. Uh, everything is there. Wait, is uh, that a site where I can take, when I can go, how much is this card worth? No, you can't. <laughs> you cannot. We don't actually offer pricing. You would go to the Wrestling Card Price Guide for that. Absolutely. He would be able to help you. Uh, you can, I mean, it, it's a guide, folks, too. Anytime someone's offering you price evaluations like that, you're going to go to a guide, whether it be a printed guide, whether it be Paul's website for a guide, it's a guide. Go look up Webster's Dictionary and find out what the word guide means. It's just to guide you, okay? It's not the end-all, be-all price. It's just to help you get a somewhat, you know, blanket little understanding of what the ballpark range of my item might be worth. It could go higher. It could go lower. This is it's kind of an averagey type of thing. So, yeah. So just go out there. Use all the resources you can out there. Use WTC to find out if it actually is a legit card and exists. Uh, uh, if you have something you don't have, please let us know. We'll like to archive it. Um, you know, check out Paul's wrestling card price guide. Check eBay. Check, you know, check all the different services that sell cards, man. And just go look yeah. at completed items. 
don't look what's listed. Go, this card's going for a thousand bucks. It yeah. is. I, I don't see anything that's sold for a thousand. Oh, these guys over here all listed for a thousand. Not what I'm sold, buddy. Talk to me <laughs> about things that actually sold. Okay, yeah, completed right. auctions. Uh, and that's that's kind of what you need to do. Go out and do your homework. It isn't even really hard homework. No one's asking you to have, you know try to figure out trigonometry here. Okay, <laughs> this is not quantum physics. Just go out there and do some simple Google searches. You're doing it for Pornhub already. Just do it for cards. <laughs> I don't think I can top any of this. That was like the <laughs> ultimate promo right there. Maybe we need to start getting into the wrestling business. Like the wrestling, yeah. we'll, we'll be writing great promos talking about wrestling cars rule and yeah. doing the homework. Where can they find uh, Zan uh, rules stuff? <laughs> oh, I should change my handle to that. At Zan rules. Oh, I'm actually just kidding. At Zan morning on all social platforms, wrestling with cards on YouTube. That's my main hub for content. Wrestling with Cards, the podcast, and of course, Worlds Collide podcast. I'm going to go out on a limb. The best wrestling card podcast there is because wrestling cards rule, and we're the only ones that continually say wrestling cards rule. Please subscribe wherever you're listening to this on. Tell a friend about the show. Leave us a review. Keep telling people about wrestling cards. Keep growing the pie. We need more wrestling fans to collect wrestling cards because they rule. Until next week, thanks for listening. Subscribe. Cards rule!